0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions. Supply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
1: Computer solitaire,
0: huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 80 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
3: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host Danny coming to you for episode number 50 and what an episode 50 we have. Guys, did you have a good weekend? It was great!
1: I sure did, uh, for non-footballing <laughs> reasons as well, which I'll share later. But
3: <laughs> Uh-oh, this it involve a ring, Chucks.
1: Uh, are you following me on Facebook? Yes! <laughs> no, I have on Facebook. Yes, yes. Yes, I uh, we are engaged, yes.
3: All right.
1: <laughs> I actually missed hey! the game. <laughs> I actually missed the game for that reason.
3: So. <laughs> if there's Sergio, ever a reason you... to miss the game. Yep. Sergio, did you also uh, propose to your girlfriend this weekend?
2: No, uh, I did not. She did get vaccinated, <laughs> though. So. Hey, that's, hey. Good <laughs> that's good news, too.
3: That's good news, too. That's that's a good alternative.
0: My actually, yeah, my wife also got got her second shot today. Or uh yesterday rather. So yeah, that's uh that's a good one.
3: (laughs) Well on that note, let me bring in officially the crew here of Samuel Presti. Hello, Sam.
0: Danny Chuck's pessimism is defeated. The pessimism (laughs) is defeated.
3: We've got the newly engaged Chucks, who is hopefully more optimistic about his marriage than Juventus' title chances this season.
1: Oh, hell yeah, I am.
2: <laughs> it's uh, not, not difficult
1: to be, so now will no, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely a good weekend and, you know, cautiously optimistic about, about Juventus, you know, wildly optimistic about my marriage, obviously. <laughs> well,
3: congrats to you and, and- Andrea. Obviously, we'll be celebrating, and we'll excuse you for the weekend. You aren't on the podcast on the wedding day.
1: Yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta pick and choose. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know.
3: During an international break, right, Chucks.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, don't eh, do dude. what I don't do what
0: I did and miss the first game of the season. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, I knew I was gonna, knew I was gonna miss a game, but I was like, ah, you know, I have faith. I have faith in this weekend. I, I know things are gonna be fine, and they were and last but not least sergio
3: hello again sergio
2: hey fellas don't really have that big of news just kind of <laughs> bummed out that they didn't make europa league but whatever it is what it is
3: Yes, sir. The, the, the agent of chaos is definitely a little bit disappointed in that respect so as i have in my note here point one what a weekend it was point two marco Farroni. hey guys Juventus are in the Champions League, well at least for now until UEFA decides something because of the Super League. So I guess we'll just go around the Zoom call real quick here before we get into the the meat of of everything that happened this weekend. Sam, what were your emotions like if you as you watched those 2 hours play out early Sunday evening your time? It was
0: way more tense than a 4 to 1 game ever has a right to be. <laughs> like like I was feeling like Champions League knockout round levels of tension. It was roughly similar to what I was feeling the second leg against Porto or, you know, one of the, you know, one of the other ones, it, it was more than a little dumb. <laughs> I'm sitting here, you know, sweating bullets when, when the score is four to nothing after 47, 47 minutes. And because I wanted to, to keep my, my notes, relatively clear i wasn't multi-screening so i was also relying on what the broadcast was telling me as to when people were scoring uh so i was kind of finding that out real time off camera as well so to speak but it, it's it's kind of hilarious because i always you know we, we we've the the inter our frauds has been you know a fun meme for the blog for a long time and We spent a lot of time last week keeping it alive, but you want to talk about the real frauds? How about Napoli just mentally bottling it at every single, every single time Napoli have a big match like this. They just completely mentally, you know, just brain fart because I I looked back on the game on the Napoli Verona game afterwards and watched portions of it. And they just weren't there. They were flat and unimpressive and they scored their goal off a corner and then just let Faraoni run coast to coast off of a ball a lot, very much like what Wojciech Szczesny did for Juve's fourth goal, and just, and just score at a, at, a, at a run, and, and there it was. Did, I did immediately flip my phone on to the last couple of minutes after the final whistle in Bologna, and when Patania hit that header and I heard it hit the stanchion, I thought it had gone in for a quick second and then i realized that it had gone over and i at that point i was i was still alone at home and at that point i out and out yelled for a couple of minutes but yeah just really it's that that was a level of nerve-wracking that and i mentioned this in my at the beginning of my recap that we haven't really had to have at the end of a season we've never gone, you know, over the course of these in the last nine years, Juve's always won the title with at least one game to spare. So it's just been, you know, to have that kind of tension on the final day was, Ooh, it was a heck of a lot. And especially, you know, needing the other results to go your way, which they finally did. It was, it, it was, uh, there, there was some tension there and it was a hell of a payoff at the end. Chucks,
3: how were you feeling that early afternoon hours in your home? Very I'm sure, happy, I suspect, I'm sure, given I, the fact I'm that sure he was doing were... something
0: else. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Chucks, how were you
3: feeling watching on delay? As, yeah as yeah, you yeah. saw everything play out. But no, I... which which I have a follow-up question would be Were you able to not check the result live? So did you know going into it that Juventus had made the Champions League, or did you already or did you already know?
1: Well, so I did actually manage to basically follow the live commentary the last twenty odd minutes or so of live commentary. So I do Yeah, we were done a little early, and you know, we were, uh, we were. Uh, she was taking a nap and all that. So you know, um, from uh, the overwhelming emotion of the day. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I did catch about uh, yeah, last fifteen to twenty minutes or so of the live commentary. So I was following the play by play. Yeah, like you said, Sam. I mean, I can't. Tell you out of memory. I mean, I don't have any recollection of the last time in the league that it was this tense on a final match day, which really kind of brings back, you know, the good old days of uh, of like, you know, deadline day or not deadline day. Sorry, uh, final match day drama. <laughs> it's funny. I'm so used to saying deadline day from transfers <laughs> um, of you know, final match day drama like that. Because the only type of tension, similar type of tension we've had, really was. In, I mean, of course, at the Champions League and like, you know, knockout games, which, you know, of course, Champions League knockout games are always going to be tense, unless you've blown out the, the first leg, like, you know, four or five nil or something, which we never do. So, you know, of course not. So, you know, that, yeah, it was kind of, a you know, hearkening back to the old, old, old days of final day drama. And it, it is kind of funny. I mean, this is kind of weird to say, but the one thing I remember thinking, was that, you know, people were like, oh, thank you, uh, Hellas Verona, which obviously thank you. But I was kind of thinking, like, well, no, not thank you to them, because we tied against them 1 1. If we'd won that game, they'd let us win that game. We would have had two points and we wouldn't, we wouldn't have gone through all the shenanigans on the final match. So, no, thank you, Hellas Verona. This is you getting back to what you were supposed to do. So, well, there you go. <laughs> a bit of a twisted there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to twist the perspective on things. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was absolutely it was dramatic stuff. I, I genuinely couldn't believe it. I, I'd accepted because the game that I was personally more focused on was the uh, Milan-Atalanta game because, I mean, I'll say it, I had basically written off the Napoli-Verona game. In my head, I, I, you know, I'd you written that one completely off. So, yeah, I was looking at the Atalanta against Milan game and, you know, first half was just sounded like it was calm. And then they got the penalty. I was like, oh, why? You know, I was like pissed about that. And I, I, You know, I was, again, I was just kind of reading back on all that. And then it was just still 1-0, still 1-0. And I was like, ah, Atalanta will grab an equalizer. And then obviously I saw the Napoli score being equal, or Hellas Verona like, oh, no, equalizing. But I thought, oh, man, Napoli going to score a second goal. Like, I'm like, I ain't even, I ain't, I'm not even going to get my hopes up on that one. But then remarkably, they didn't, you know, and it just stayed one one I was like, surely not. I was preparing myself for a 95th minute winner for Napoli. I swear to you, I was preparing for that so much. And it just Uh, didn't
3: happen. It it almost happened, Chucks.
1: Well, it did almost happen. It It almost happened. It did almost happen indeed. But yeah, remarkably, it didn't. And then, you know, Gattuso being sacked now, which I I feel for Gattuso. He's, he's, I mean, he's a good guy. And he, I, I mean, I think he's. He'll land lead. on his feet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, he really has done his best with this team. I think he's done a good job with Napoli overall. And, you know, again, he'll he'll land on his feet. Because it's funny because I do remember that one game, I think the Napoli the league game that they beat us in. I remember then people saying, like, oh, this was the game that might, you know, get Nap or Gatuso sacked. And then they won it. And I was like, you're welcome. (laughs) We saved your job. But yeah. And I also heard that De Laurentiis, he had basically sacked him over Twitter. Like he just sent out a tweet saying, like, hey, uh, yeah. And I was like, man, are you serious? You know, like, not even supposedly he hadn't communicated an official statement or anything. He just, put out a tweet first and then, you know, obviously all the official statements after I'm like, really, is that the, is that the standards we've set nowadays? Like that's how things go. But anyway, I digress.
3: That's the dealer Laurenti
1: standard. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. That probably is him. But yeah. So here we are, you know, fourth place. Uh, It's strange. I mean, never did I think, never did I think a, I would be celebrating a fourth place finish and B that I would be (laughs) glad that we would be the beneficiaries of that, Relatively recent rule change of Italy getting four guaranteed spots in the Champions League. I remember looking at that and be like, Psh, "Yeah, this will ever need that." <laughs> and, then, and then here we are. We're the beneficiaries of that, which is just, I don't know. It's the poetic, just insanity of this season. It's yeah, it's been a trip. It's uh, it's been quite a trip.
2: Yeah, unlike all of you guys, I was I was not stressed at all. I was just like, whatever nice. happens happens. Yeah, because you want it. yeah, because you wanted the Europa League. Of course yeah, you were. I wanted the Europa League. I was like, if they win, that's cool. Yeah, I was actually just happy that they were having a good game. It was just kind of like a like uh just just a just if you take into account, like if you forget about everything, all that you know, Europe drama, it was just a pretty stress-free, just good game. Just one of those games that we haven't really seen as much as we wanted this year. Just them blowing out a team that they should blow out. I mean, that, that's really what they what it was. And I, I was mostly interested also in the, the whole, you know, why didn't Cristiano Ronaldo play and, and all of that? But, you know, it, it, I guess you don't really need him when you can just, you know, take out Paulo and Alvaro Morata, and those are two pretty good guys too. And, I mean, I was just really happy to see them end the, the season on a high note, especially because, you know, now that I think earlier on the earlier on the season i think around march uh where it was pretty clear we were not going to win the league title Uh, i think it was it was my opinion and i think it was kind of like an opinion shared by a lot of people that follow the team that if we make europe and win the coppa italia and you know with how crazy this year was because of everything that's that's fine that's a decent result that's a decent season that's okay and it's going to be interesting for me just just moving forward obviously this this summer is going to be one of one of those summers it looks like it that that they did manage to do that despite it all despite all the you know all the lows all the, especially after the milan game where you know people were just losing their minds myself included everyone really thought that that this team was cooked and they came back they, you know they got the results they needed from themselves and from other teams Napoli choked, Napoli did what they do, and, and they're in the Champions League, right? I mean, I, I think, obviously, we're going to have a lot of, and I don't want to spoil what, we're, what we'll have as a block coming coming up, but we're going to have a lot of, you know, season recaps and season post-mortems and whatnot, but it really is going to be interesting how, you know, how this season is graded. If they do maintain the, the Pirlo project, if they don't, it seems like, you know, if you you know, if you were on Twitter, it seemed like every other week it was like, "No, he's definitely leaving. He's definitely staying." The same goes for Ronaldo. The same goes for Diwala. The same goes for pretty much everyone in the team. Like they're definitely staying. They're definitely leaving. It would just same flip goes flop. for Agnelli. Yeah, it would just flip flop. If they won that week, then everyone was staying, and if they lose that week, then everyone's going. Like you know, who knows what's gonna happen? So it's going to be an interesting summer. You know, just. Strictly speaking about this game, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. It was, it was a great to leave the, the season on a high note. Great to see Carlo Pinzoglio get his minutes, which is a, a great tradition that I hope that never ends. And he actually had a couple really good saves, which was just, wow, he's not only just like a cool guy to have around. Like he's actually a really good goalkeeper too. So, you know, it, it was nice to to see the team celebrating at the end of the season, even if it wasn't as they usually do it it's just a nice way of of kind of putting a ribbon a ribbon on the year in in a year that was you know very 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 weird very challenging but you know at least they they managed to not fulfill every expectation they had but to to have what i consider a relatively dis- decent year everything you know considering everything
3: yeah i think the, the interest, the most interesting thing to me, and you can tell that it's suddenly the off season is that now you're, you're waking up and you're almost expecting new team news to be there. You're, you're waiting for almost like when Juve were going through a rash of injuries at certain points of the season. You're like, okay, is the peer news going to come down today? Is, you know, is an announcement on said player going to come down today? Obviously we, you know, we're, we're looking at tributes for Buffon and, and the like, you know, and, and all that today. But I woke up this morning thinking, okay, is there going to be something with Pirlo? And that's, that's how it's going to be the next few days until we actually get something. And I guess we can, we can talk a little bit about the Copa first, but yeah, I I think that's the biggest thing now is what do they do with Pirlo? Does, does them backing in, if we want to say it that way, backing into the champions league with the, the last day of the season escape, does that mean he's getting another year? I mean, they, they have backed him in the past, but like we have pointed out on this podcast, they, they also backed Mauricio Sari. And obviously we know how that turned out the day after the season ended. So it it's just one of those things where this is very much now suddenly a day by day thing where we're waiting to see just, just what direction they go with the manager. So.
1: no purchase necessary. VGW group, void where prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
3: On that note, you've as Sergio mentioned, the Copa Italia was a trophy. He would like to see Juventus win and they won it uh, with a pretty damn good second half against Atalanta, the previously very informed Atalanta. And I guess, you know, it was a pretty good time for Juventus to find some of their best form of the season because they needed it, didn't they?
0: Oh yeah. And and it was, it really, that game really was a game of two halves. I mean, when Kulusevsky scored the opening goal, it was very much against the run of play at the were, were seemingly popping up with a, with a chance every couple of minutes, but when they came out in the second half, they just clamped down. And like, this wasn't just like, a you know, this wasn't a, a question of, of, you know, maybe like bringing it back to the middle, like Juve were the, by far the better team in the second half which is not something that you would have expected Pirlo beat Gasperini coaching wise all the players were just you know bringing it another level on the on the field Chiesa and and Kulusevsky were were out of this world and you bring back you know you bring back a trophy to to you know I called it a consolation prize at the in midweek but and it kind of is given everything that you expect out of this team but f- start going from the the second half of that atalanta game into the bologna game like that's the football that Pirlo wants out of everybody and that's the way that he wanted this entire season to go and like i said against into you know in the last last episode why did it take so damn long? (laughs) But all of a sudden you just saw this, this pretty dramatic upswing in how the team played. And, you know, maybe that's just the desperation. Maybe it's a, you know, waiting for, you know, you know, knowing what they needed to do, but I, I I thought that it was a, a really, really substantive step for a team that really needed to make one in those last couple of games. And here we are now talking about what basically qualifies as the success that they could have achieved by the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I did watch this game, so I <laughs> can't speak a little more to this one. Well, at least I caught the last, uh, missed the first 20 minutes or so. But yeah, definitely, like you said, Sam, I mean, just a game of two halves. You almost think about it like, in the Champions League final games Real Madrid how just reversed it was you know where in that game obviously you know we had that uh, great first half and then the second half I mean yeah we all know what happened so yeah this was basically the, re- the reverse of that and it does make you think which is better to start poorly and then end well or vice versa which I don't know I mean that's kind of I guess a question to uh, to debate sometime but It's also interesting to note just like our our games against Atalanta this season, you know, we've played three games against them this season. Honestly, I think we've played really well against Atalanta overall um, this season, which is tough against a team as good and as extremely proactive as Atalanta uh, is. And just a team that has given so many other teams uh, such a hard time that we played really, really well against them uh, throughout the season with so, despite all the problems we've had and this, despite all the uh, especially defensive imperfections uh, we've had this season. And, you know, at the end of the day, like we've marking only... Marking
0: Malinovsky? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that bloke. Yeah, yeah, he, uh,
1: he has a knack <laughs> for scoring. Against us that, I mean, good, great player, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, so we've only conceded, what is it? Uh, yeah, two goals against him this season. I think the first game was a nil-nil or might have been a 1-1. No, I think it was a nil So It was 1-1. Oh, it was 1-1, yes. And then we've only conceded, let me see, uh, yeah, two goals. uh, Sorry, three goals. uh, (laughs) Math. (laughs) Three goals against them uh, this season, which, yeah, I mean, that's not bad at all. Vertina scores as much as Atalanta does to only concede, you know, one goal in basically each game against them. I mean, that's, yeah, definitely not bad. So I'm quite proud of that one. And, you know, one of the goals was that deflected, Strike by uh, it was Malinowski that you know deflected off. I think it was Alexandro, Which I mean, that was a, that was just an unlucky goal. I think. I again, I think we that game deserved a tie. I think we deserved a point from that one. But yeah, I mean, really, just very optimistic signs from that game uh, in the Coppa Italia game. Just the the level of control we had of the game in the second half was just. I mean, I haven't seen that in a long time against a really good team. So. You know, hey, if we can just carry that into every single game we play, wouldn't that be nice? But and that also kind of continues that theme that I think I mentioned last time of just how well we've played against good teams um, with, you know, obviously some exceptions, uh, you know, the Milan 3-0 loss against Milan obviously being a glaring exception. But how well we've played against, you know, top six teams this season and, you know, also in the Champions League group stage against Barcelona. The first game being poor, but then the second game being amazing. Um, we've generally just done well against top teams, but just really, really poorly against the, you know, the lower teams. So that just, I mean, obviously we're going to do season review next episode, but that's just one of those really big takeaways that that continues for me from that Coppa Italia game. Like, wow, we are capable of good things against good teams, but why is it once again so? Yeah, inconsistent.
2: Yeah, and I think not not to you know not to bring it back to to the Andrea Pirlo situation, which I'm sure we will get into. Uh, I don't know if later on this episode or you know on, on the next one. But I think if you want to make the case for him as a long term solution as the manager, you do look at his record, not only against good teams. Obviously, you know, throwing out the the Milan game, but against in their second go-around, because I think that was also a, a theme that, that you could see with, with this club in which they didn't do the best in the first um, go-around against, you know, the, the good teams. And I'm, I'm, I'm even including, you know, the, you know, FC Barcelona, which, well, yeah, we might split hairs about whether or not they're a good team. But, you know, we saw them really, really take it to Juve in that first game. Then Juve really took it to them in the second one. And we saw the same against Inter, right? Like in, in the first game against inter i would argue it was the, the one of the few games where they were just completely outplayed and then in every other you know the next three games it was two wins and a draw against the you know the the, the now italian champions uh you saw the same against Atalanta. i thought that showed a lot of growth that that final that Coppa italia final showed a lot of growth from the team and from andrea piero himself because he, he the team just knew how to handle that game they knew how to play Atalanta? Finally, after two two times playing them, they knew how to how to beat them, and that was just you know hold hold the line in the first half, soak up that pressure, and then just blitz them in the second half when they're more tired because that's how Atalanta plays, and they they did it to perfection. Like I agree with you guys that this wasn't uh, one of those things that's kind of like half and half any team could have won. I think it, that second half, Juve completely took over. They completely blew them out, and and they were very like rightfully so the the pictures in that game so i do think that it's another game and it's one of those things that i i mentioned in the graphic right like do you just make your season long evaluation of of your project of your players of your coach based on the results that you got this last couple weeks or on the season long thing because Juventus really did close after that Milan game, which is an atrocity. They really did close out pretty strong and they had some of their best performances that we've seen from them in in the the whole year. I think that second half against Atalanta was arguably the best half that they they had in in the entire year, especially considering the, the opponent they were facing. And then the game that we were just talking about, the Bologna game, was also one of the better performances that we've seen from them. And it's Bologna... Whatever, but we were seeing this team drop points left and right to teams like Bologna early in the year. So I, I just think it, it was one of those moments that you you definitely see the team and and see how they play and see how pula coaches, and you can definitely talk yourself into you can definitely talk yourself into okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe you know there is a chance that they, this could work out long term. So again, it's it was great for the team just because. To lift a trophy at the end of the year, I think that's you know sometimes we as fans tend to you know minimize uh, you know certain competitions and we you know we say like oh the Super Cup is a glorified friendly and oh the Copa Italia like who cares, but but this does mean something for those players and this does mean something for for the teams like for example for a guy for like Federico Chiesa for example a young guy this is this first season that he's actually winning stuff at the senior level. I think that means a lot to those type of players that to actually win something, to actually win a trophy. I think it builds a winning culture, especially for those young guys that haven't really been part of, of, of the success of this decade. So I just think it was, it was a great game, and especially in the second half, as I said, and just a great way to close out the year, you know, despite and, and regardless, whatever you want to call the Coppa Italia, I, I think it's always good to, to win trophies. And there's going to be a patch, for next season in the Juve Keats, which is good. We've had a badge for the last 10 years. At least that tradition, you know, keeps going.
3: And you look at the, I think, arguably the three guys who celebrated the hardest, not named Carlo Pinsolio, after Juve qualified for the Champions League Sunday. Paulo Dybala, Leonardo Bonucci, Giorgio Chiellini. So just because they've achieved a whole hell of a lot you could tell that this meant a lot to them too and I'm not trying to you know throw shade towards Sergio but you know even 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 the older guys were appreciating how how Juve closed the season so yeah it was it was pretty it was pretty impressive to see just how I mean we were we were talking about it after the Milan game on the pod it was it it, it was it was sounding like uh, their season was over, their Champions League hopes were over, and the Copa Italia, knowing how Atalanta was playing, was not all that optimistic. And look, four games later, Juve won all of them. They looked relatively good in all of them, and they've got a, tr- a trophy and Champions League spot
0: because of it. I wanted to tack something onto what something that Chuck said when he talked about the way that Juventus had controlled that second half. And you know, match control is a is is a word that it hasn't come up on the podcast in a while, but it did a lot under Maurizio Sarri, and and uh, it's one that, that Chucks was especially using. And we'd seen Juventus control games before, but it was almost always in the reactionary in a reactionary way. the The first game against Lazio, until that goal out of nowhere by Caicedo in stoppage time, that knocked. Uh, that, that that pulled a point out for Lazio Juventus pretty much controlled that game they hadn't let Lazio really threaten the goal but they were defending and countering defending and countering the game against Roma in January same thing they very much controlled that game Roma had very few genuine opportunities to score but again it was a counter game it was a it, they were defending very much what Juventus hadn't, what we hadn't really seen Juventus do, except for maybe um, uh, 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 the first half of the opening game of the season against Sampdoria, was to control games on their own initiative. Was to control games with with an attack, with the ball, and with the pre- and with that high the high press. And all of a sudden in the second half against atalanta and especially in uh against bologna that was that that was how those two games ended up playing out was juventus taking complete control and doing it by doing it themselves and not by hanging back and reacting to and, and playing defense and reacting to the way that the other team played and they were even doing you could even say that that was in some ways what they were doing against inter before rodrigo benton got sent off and and that i if you want to talk about like sergio you were saying the you know a growth a growth aspect of andrea Pirlo and of the team in general i think that is i mean obviously very belated but that's something that I think you can hang your hat on in terms of looking forward. And if you want to go with this project, and of course there are a lot of variables about this project, you know, does, does Andrea Agnelli survive the, the coming Exor shareholders meeting, which I believe happens later this week as president of Juventus after everything that's happened with the super league and, and this season and the project in general, the last three years, does Pirlo survive as coach, regardless of who ends up running Juventus. But If you're looking at this project and saying we're going to keep this project going, that's what you can hang your hat on. Is that all of a sudden you start seeing Juve actually taking control and doing it the way they want to take control. And if you can do that next year, then you've got a team that, you know, with a few better players and maybe a little bit better roster construction can start making the, the people in Milan sweat a, a lot more hard
1: it's also pretty uh remarkable as you're just mentioning with Agnelli because lord knows if we're even allowed to play Champions League next year you know which is just, yeah there's yeah. the other
0: there's the other monkey wrench in the whole thing but
1: which is just crazy imagine going through all this drama all this headache all this uh, last match day drama just to be like oh sorry um, <laughs> you are you are dismissed so that would be uh yeah that'll be very painful plus uh with this uh, say ah uh, i mean i think the figc president said you know we might be expelled as well so are we even going to play football at all next
3: year <laughs> i mean well, we're, we're taking point, a year off chuck all of us
1: yeah yeah i'll take a year off just go on you know play in ibiza <laughs> or something you know hey
3: all right. Before we get to Twitter questions, wanted to uh, just touch on the off-season a little bit. We were mentioning how a second ago, Sam was how just how many questions there are still lingering, even though Juventus had a very good weekend. So it, it seems weird to think that Juventus just did get into the Champions League. Yet I believe it was a Totally Football podcast I was listening to earlier today. They were talking about how so many. See, So many managerial positions, including Juventus, are just completely up in the air right now. And obviously, a lot of what Juventus does hinges on what they view of Pirlo. So I guess the long way of getting to it is, do you think Juventus will keep Pirlo? Not necessarily, do you want to keep
1: Pirlo? I'll take that one first. Uh, Do I think, yeah. So that's kind of a pragmatic versus emotional question, I guess, like in terms of, you know, do I think they will... that is pragmatic. Do I want them? Uh, that's the emotional kind of point. So, yeah, of course, I'll take the pragmatic uh, answer. And I, and I imagine we'll expand on this in uh, later podcast episodes, too. But, yeah, do I think they will? Again, from a pragmatic point of view, p- probably yes. Mostly because of money, really. I mean, I, from what I know, Pirlo is pretty cheap as a coach. Uh, obviously, he just started. So, that plus I think Sari is still on our payroll quite Remarkably, I mean, that is the biggest stealth mission I've ever seen in my life, by the way. You should be an MI6 agent, Maurizio Sari, because that is impressive. <laughs> but fair play to him. Obviously, he's a contract. So, I mean, hey, he's within his legal right to uh, receive the money. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, from a financial perspective, obviously, there's all the losses from covid uh, managers are—I've I've learned recently—apparently extremely expensive. <laughs> Who knew? Um, I generally—that's something I never thought about. I always think about players' salaries. I never thought about manager salaries, which is just so funny. But yeah, and again, alternatives. I know we mentioned Zidane last time around. I still think he's going to take a break, but I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of my hunch. And also, I think paratici uh, he's i think he did say that if Pirlo. Or if the the, if the team makes top four, that you know he will keep his job. I think I'm pretty sure he explicitly said so. So I mean, he'll have to stick to his word. No, I mean, we we already have enough PR problems, so let's not get enough. Uh... He didn't. He, they didn't stick to to their word with Saudi last year. So yeah, that's uh... yeah, true. We're, talk is cheap, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. But managers, as you said, aren't, and I think that is going to have a a. A big issue like i think shame. i mentioned this last i think i mentioned this last week on the podcast that juventus over the last two years has spent 40 million euros or something like that on managers that weren't actually managing the team you know and unless saudi picks up one of the jobs in in the premier league or something like i know tottenham and arsenal were both kind of sniffing around him he's gonna sit and collect another year's worth of salary for a juve and like you said chucks that's gonna you know that could factor heavily into you know do you want to pay even more dead money and add yet another manager to the payroll i mean it's not like you know it's not like anybody would be paying like you know conte money for pre replacement conte and to, to give you a sense of how much conte gets paid right now by by suning he gets paid more than any juventus player other than ronaldo uh, he gets 10 million euros. Wow.
1: Damn, <laughs> um, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> but I think also a lot of it has to do, uh, will have to do with, you know, what we mentioned before, what I mentioned before about Andrea Agnelli. If John Elkin decides to replace Andrea Agnelli as the chairman of Juventus, as the president of Juventus, I could see a new president deciding to clean house and and get a, you know, a a person that that they could consider their guy, whoever that person is. But right now, unless they get a really good opportunity, what some unless there's a an opportunity that they can't refuse, I think right now the better money is on Pierlos staying simply because everything else is going to be so dang expensive and Juventus already is going to have to spend a whole lot of money on the squad if they want to make it more competitive. You know, unless the, unless Cristiano Ronaldo's recent Instagram posts can be taken as a, as, as a, as a sign off, which if you read that post, it certainly could be interpreted that way. We'll see. But yeah, I think, like you said, just this, this could end up being a money decision as much as it is a, a project and, and technical decision. Although it also then goes to figure out, you know, whether or not Paratici and Nedved will also be coming back. Like you said, Danny, so much stuff going on.
2: Yeah, I, I guess we're going to go chalk here. I, I do think he's going to stay unless, you know, and, and I'd be surprised if they were so just dumb and they just didn't let the Super League thing die. Because, and, you know, I'm assuming that, that they're not going to be just, just, yeah, just dumb and let the whole thing die. And then next year's Champions League and say, yeah. And I think because of that, it's just easier to to kind of give Pirlo another shot, to kind of get give him a chance uh, for next season, especially because, number one, I don't think there's anybody out there that would be an immediate upgrade it, it, at a reasonable price because, you know, we've heard about Allegri. We've heard about Sidan. I, I just don't see those names really panning out. Uh, especially the latest report by, by I think, Romeo Agresti that, that Allegri is very much waiting for the Real Madrid job. And that's kind of like the only job that he would take on. Uh, I just, who, who else are you going to bring on that's going to be, you know, relatively affordable and a clear improvement over Pirlo? I don't know, Gattuso? Like, is that name really, like, is that really exciting? Not really. I, I think just because they made the Champions League, I think they're going to keep the project going. Whether or not that's the correct call, I don't know. I I mentioned it in, in the earlier graph back. I think if you really believe that that Pirlo is the guy going forward, I think you kept him even if they didn't make Champions League. And if you don't really think that he's the guy, I think you fire him even if they do make the Champions League. Right? Like you make your assessment based on the whole season, not just because Napoli choked it away. So just because of that, I think they're they're pretty. Like, yeah, they're pretty much done for the moment, changing coaches. I think Pirlo will stay, whether that's the correct call, I guess time will tell. But at the very least, you're giving him a fair shot by giving him another season and actually having, uh, you know, a preseason, actually having that time to work with the team and to actually have his own players. I think I mentioned it before, but if you want to, you know, try to defend the the Pirlo year. The three guys that we know that he asked for, that he actually wanted to be part of the team were Álvaro Marta, Federico Chiesa, and Weston McKinney. And at one point or another, those three dudes were arguably the best player on the team, right? Like at one point or another, all three of them panned out. So if you want to be positive and say, yeah, this project is definitely going to work out, is you give him a chance, you give him an offseason, you actually build the team for what he wants to do. And then see if, if you know if he can if he can bring Juve back to, to the Italian championship, right? So we'll we'll see. But I, I agree with you guys that I, I do think he stays. I, I do think he stays another year.
3: All right, let's get to some Twitter questions here. First one will be an easy one and a quick fire one for all three of you guys from at Expendion. Who is the favorite for the Bellon d'Or? Is it Matthias Delict or is it Federico Chiesa?
1: Chiesa second that
3: wow dutchman going against his own guy
1: uh, i'm a man of reason <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i think yes just because he's an offensive player but overall i think the lift is going to i think he's going to end up being the better player out of the two in the long run but they usually don't really consider defensive guys that much so yeah Kiesa, i guess
1: I, I agree with that actually sergio but I guess in terms to expand on expand on that, besides a uh, one word <laughs> that a uh, one word answer I gave, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think in terms of contribution to the team this season, absolutely Chiesa. I mean, he's yeah, he's built us out pretty hard. Delif has still been good, and well, I'm writing season recaps on season ratings on center backs, so I'm going to be rating him more elaborately. But I mean, I think Delif was very strong this season. But just in terms of marginal, to use a technical term, uh, the marginal contribution uh, to the team, I think Kiese was probably a greater contribution, just because uh, defensively we were so poor this season, uh, which obviously is not just the left's fault slash not just the defense's fault. It's a you know a units problem, but yeah, I think Kiese definitely a greater contribution.
3: All right, from A. Finlay eighty nine. If Zidane and Allegri are unavailable, what would our resident Wolves slash Raúl Jiménez fan Sergio Romero think of Juventus replacing Pirlo with Nuno Espirito Shanto? assuming they yeah. actually plan on replacing Andrea Pirlo?
2: Yeah, exactly. M- making that assumption after the three of us said that he probably wouldn't, but still, even <laughs> if they, even if they made hardy, that hardy I, hardy hard. Hard. <laughs> I, again, th- that's a guy that I. Obviously, I think Wolves had a, a pretty bad season this year. I think they finished thirteen or thirteen or twelve or something in the, in the Premier League. So it's not a great season. But the, the, it was also a weird season for them with Jimenez being injured a, a lot of the time because of that. You know, quite literally, like he broke his skull. So tough. But he's he's on his way back. But I think yeah, I think that's an interesting name because. I think he did get a lot of that team. Uh, he was putting them in positions of, you know, making Europa League and things like that. Uh, and actually, they had a pretty deep run for the Europa League in in 2019. Actually, that they made the quarterfinals, you know, which is usually not a result that you would expect from a team such as 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 Wolves. They they put a couple scares in the in the big clubs in in England. I think he's a good good manager for sure. But again, is he? a clear cut improvement over Pirlo. I don't know. And even if you bring him in, you know, you're again, it's, it's another coach. It's your, you know, fourth coach in four years. I, I just don't think they make that, that decision. I just don't think they will take that risk unless there's someone out there who is an absolute slam dunk. Like if, if, Sen- if is available, they won't care that it's going to be the fourth coach in four years, because that's exactly a slam dunk type of move that you make when that guy is available. Right. But Other than that, like other than a real, real marquee name type of guy, I just don't see them taking a shot on a guy like him when the economics are what they are. And when it's you've already had a bunch of turnover. I just don't I just don't see it. Would would it be a horrible decision? No, but I just don't don't think it's 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 something that it's in the cards
3: from. At Hudat 858, I've noticed that Rabio catches a lot of flack for his unfocused play at times, and it's warranted. But am I wrong for thinking that he should stay over the likes of Aaron Ramsey or Bentoncourt or Federico Bernardeschi?
2: You are not. I've been banging that drum all season long. <laughs> uh, Go on and bang it. You are not allowed. <laughs> hey, no, he, he's, 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 he's the best one. I mean, he, I don't know if it's the best one, but I I think he's just so talented and he's just been put in such a rough space. I, I I I just hope, I really, really hope they don't let him go because he is exactly the type of player that can be a piece in a really good midfield.
0: I, I certainly think that over Bernardeschi and Ramsey, yes. Um I, I'm still I, I'm still relatively intrigued by the idea of of what Bentancur might be able to do in a, as a as an attempt at a bounce back year next year if he's employed as a straight up Metzala, with a more capable regista behind him, a guy a, a Locatelli type guy, because you know it's clear that whatever Saudi wanted out of him in that position he could do, but whatever Pirlo wants out of that out of him in that position is apparently different and a little bit beyond his scope. But if he were to, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, w- it would not surprise me if Benton had a bounce back season next year, because I think he's, I still think he is a very, very good midfielder. That being said, I also agree with Sergio that if we're, if, if you could keep Rabio keep Rabio, because, you know, despite the mental lapses, then he also has, you know, games like he had against Bologna, games like he had against Atalanta this week, you know, when he's on, he really can be a magical player at times. You know, just bombing through that midfield and running through space and and creating problems. You know, it's like Blaise Matuidi but with ball skills. I I, I would very much like to see him as a as a as a piece next season if he's not uh sacrificed on the uh on the altar of capital gains, as to borrow Sergio's phrase. But
1: uh, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He's never wrong. He's never wrong, Sergio. <laughs> no, um, I have, uh, I did say something similar about Rabio in terms of his comparison to uh, uh, Matuidi. In terms of, uh, I mean, that's slightly drawn a different parallel in the sense that I think I said that he's similar to Matuidi in the sense that, you know, by himself, I think he's not like, I mean, a star player or anything because he's not supposed to be um but i think if if you put him in a really just well functioning unit he's going to be he will be an extremely useful player and frankly basically yeah a, a star in terms of his yeah just just usefulness to the to the team not not in terms of scoring goals or laying on you know assist after assist but just in terms of keeping the 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 unit functioning, the midfield unit functioning. I think Matuidi did that so well. Like when the when the team was just fun, you know playing well and just functioning well, Matuidi was just so useful in terms of defensive skills and just tactical contributions. Yeah, connecting, you know, doing the dirty work in midfield. I think Rabiot is similar in that sense, uh, and just like you said, Sam, uh, slightly tidier on the ball <laughs> than Matuidi is. Yeah, so I mean, overall, I think. Yes, obviously, keep him over Ramsey. I mean, Ramsey should, you know, frankly, show him, show him the door. Because, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's done, done and dusted. Mr. Uh, Mister Terminator, uh, white hair, Bernadeschi can uh, also, man, what a haircut. Uh, which probably Terminator is not the right parallel, but I just said it anyway. But he should probably um, also leave. But, yeah, Bentancur and Rabia, I'm still torn between, between the two, like, letting one or the other go. I know, in some really, really hopeful world of mine, I think surely the two can function together in a three-man center midfield. And would it, I mean, would it be possible to have like an Artur, Bentancur, Rabiot central central midfield? Would it work? I mean, I just hope so. I think that would be great, but I would have to think more about that if that would work. But I think that would be such a perfect solution. But definitely the two of them in central midfield, uh, Bentancur and Rabiot, clearly doesn't work we've you know debated that ad nauseum all
3: right final one here from David Desper at the true ROAC are you fearful that because of the success Juve have had since the Sassuolo game not much will fundamentally change should heads still roll in the front office and the boardroom and the pitch how much and who also can we get a therapy session for going for Gigi Buffon's departure
0: that last one is is what Danny and I are going to be doing after the after we stop recording. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> miss you, uh, yeah. Uh, miss him again. If if anybody, I mean, I I might as well re, my, my feelings on that might as well just repost my article from when he left the first time. Just inspirational on so many levels, sporting and otherwise, with you know his his take on men, takes on mental health, which are 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 big for me as as somebody who suffers from. Uh, from 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 anxiety conditions like that, but as for whether or not heads should roll, yes, heads should still roll. Like Cyril and bring me his head, specifically saying that specifically about Paratici. Bring me like like you know holding it up and putting it on a spike. Um, I I think that Paratici is fundamentally on. He, he is not a good sporting director. He is very good. I've said this before. He is very good at what he did under Beppe Marotta. He is not good at being Beppe Marotta. I I do not think he has the, he can conceive properly of how to actually build a team. He just, he just signs guys that are, you know, he signs really good footballers, but he has, takes no, he takes no heed of how those really good footballers might fit together in the context of a team. And I think you need somebody for that. Who was the um, who was it that Juventus were connected to in that regard just a day or two ago? Somebody from one of the French teams. Uh, does anybody remember that? The guy from yeah. Lille. The guy from Lille. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, he's been connected with a lot of teams. He's he's he has been connected with a lot of teams, but and you know and also and you know Lille is not the the kind of like you know higher level you know, buyer team type, you know, you could, you could say that there's all the the possible, the the possible parallel is when, you know, Monchi came from Sevilla to Roma and he was, you know, conditioned at Sevilla to get guys, build guys up, flip guys, especially within La Liga. And that's kind of the attitude at Lille, even though they just won the title, that's, you know, that, that's a Leicester City moment kind of uh, in Liga but I'd like that I'd like, or if you're going to keep Paratici on the, on the staff, the suggestion that maybe hiring Marcello Lippi as kind of an overall football czar that Paratici would report to, that's an idea that I could get behind, but he's got to be the, he can't be the guy making the, the decisions anymore, in my opinion, because I just don't think he I just don't think he has the con- he can conceive of how to build a functional unit out of all the talent that that the team has. And I think do I think Andrea Agnelli needs to end up resigning just based on the the magnitude of the failure of the Super League alone? I think so. I just don't think you can fail that hard and keep your job.
2: Yeah, I, I actually, I agree with, with Sam in the sense that should there be changes? Yes. Will there be changes? I, I don't think so. Just because, especially because of what you said last, Sam, in, in the sense of, I think if you don't ax Agnelli, which all the reports seems like he won't get axed, I don't think you, I think everyone's going to stay. I think they're going to run it back. Do they deserve to to get fired? Agnelli most definitely, yes. You know whatever your thoughts about the Super League is, the the matter of fact is that it just it went horribly for everyone involved, especially with about you know especially with the three teams that were apparently still in the Super League somehow. Like it's it's hard to really foresee something going worse than the Super League rollout. So I do think that that he should get the axe, but it just doesn't look like it will. But yeah, I just don't see them making change. Like if if Agnelli stays stays and I I just don't see them making any changes. I think they're just going to run it back and and give this give this one, you know, give this whole project another go. Is that the right call? Probably not. But you know, I I can I can understand trying not to rock the boat too much. uh, but I do think that that they won't make any changes. I do, I do think that, you know, they, they won't rock the house too much.
0: I think the biggest domino, apart from Agnelli, is Cristiano Ronaldo.
2: Yeah, that's true. If Cristiano true.
0: Ronaldo decides he's, he's done with Turin, then I think we will see major roster changes just based on the money that that frees up alone.
2: That, not, um, not even the money. I, I think it's also the and, expectations, right? Like yeah. if, if you're if you're no longer a team with Cristiano Ronaldo on your team, <laughs> uh, you're no longer like, you know, you're no longer, all the massive expectations that Cristiano Ronaldo involves, you know, you're no longer, ver- you know, you no longer have that. So I, I think that gives you a lot more leeway to kind of, you know, make those type of changes. I do agree with that.
3: Have we figured out where his cars have gone?
2: I don't know. Yeah.
1: Not yet. Maybe they're somewhere in space with uh, Elon Musk's uh, Teslas. <laughs> <laughs> they're still floating around somewhere there, Elon. It's still are.
3: <laughs> All right. On that note, we will wrap things up. As I've been doing the last couple of weeks before we officially go here, shout out to the Juventus women. Perfect 22 for 22.
0: Perfect season. So
3: if you're if you wondering if a Juventus team will be wearing the Scudetto patch on their jerseys next season, yes, they will. And it will be the Juve women.
0: Speaking and, of, did you see how fast the uh, the Coppa Italia thing got onto the new shirts at the J, on the J-Store? That, that was, was very uh, fast.
3: They're, they're, they're quick with that kind of stuff. They uh, they know that's where the money lies. Let's just say that. So 22 for 22 and a proper send-off for manager Rita Guarino who uh, stepping aside, she got a 5-1 win over Inter in her (laughs) finale. So I think it's always a good day when Juventus can beat Inter. So thanks for a great four years to her and for the Juventus women, another dominant season in Serie A. So on that note, thank you all for your Twitter questions, as always. Shout out the couple people who asked about Pirlo staying or going. Obviously, we touched on that before we officially opened up the Twitter question window on, on this episode. If you want to send us a Twitter question, feel free to uh, send it over to us at Juventus Nation even though for the next few days we are unofficially a Hellas Verona fan account on the Twitter machine. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook at Black and White and Reddle over. Same thing goes for Apple Podcasts and all the other podcasting platforms. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, feel free to leave us a review and all of that good stuff. So, for the final time in the 2020 21 season, say that three times fast for Samuel Presti, for Chucks, and for Sergio. This is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. It's officially off season, so we'll talk to you guys next week.